The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Tell me, are you a worrier? Do you have constant expectations of other people and how you think they should operate? Are you constantly trying to take responsibility for the way the world works? Are you responsible for getting the sun up in the morning and putting it to bed at night? The devil is in the expectations expectations become such a heavy burden that we cannot bear them. Expectations destroy the work of Christ in our hearts. When our expectations are not met, we grow angry. And then that bitter root finds its way into our heart. We believe that our expectations are right, righteous, correct. We're right, they're wrong. And so when our expectations are not met, we either grow angry or we become depressed, discouraged, hopeless, because what we think should happen is not happening. And now how are we going to handle that? What are we going to do? The book of James. I want to read this for you. I'm going to begin with James, the first chapter, verse 21. Therefore, having already taken off all moral uncleanness and residue of depravity, in humility... You must receive the ingrafted word. You must receive the ingrafted word. Now, James, from this point forward, is going to begin to speak about the practical life in Jesus Christ. Remember, he was James the just. He was James the brother of Jesus. He was, he was James the senior pastor of the New Testament church in Jerusalem. He's going to now consider very specific aspects of walking in Jesus. But he he is saying, you have already put off all moral uncleanness. You've already had erased from your life the residue of depravity. In humility, you must receive that engrafted word. Now, what I want to say to you is, 
the moral uncleanness and the residue of depravity cannot be removed from your life as long as you hold on to your expectations of other people with your demands for how they should function so as to accommodate what you think they should be doing. And they inconvenience you, and you grow angry with them. You judge them harshly. There's no mercy in your heart. When the moral uncleanness is removed from you, and the residue of depravity is removed from your heart, you will be humble before God and you will let go of all expectations and demands of other people that they should behave the way you demand. The devil is in the expectations that create resentment and anger I haven't gotten what I should have received. My mother has not treated me the way she should have treated me. I am angry about how my life is now being shaped. I'm angry. I need to be free. I need them to love me. I need them to give to me. As long as that continues in your heart, you'll either be bitterly angry, frustrated, driven to distraction. Now, here's part of the issue. All of us in America who have listened to Christian radio pastors, who have attended church, have learned a great deal. We know the stories of the scripture. We know the story of Moses. We know the story of David. We know, we know the stories of scripture. We know the story of Jesus and his birth. We know a great deal of information. Because of that, we have become quite religious. But religion and following Jesus are often two very different things. Oh, I know people who can talk the talk. They're brother this and brother that. They're God bless you this and God bless you there. They can speak eloquently about the theology of of the scriptures. They can fine-tune their points. But they have very strong expectations for how others are to function. And so the love that needs to be in their heart is absent. The compassion is absent. It cannot be there because love cannot walk in demands and expectations of the other person. 
And so the result is anger, bitterness, hostility, selfishness, or depression and discouragement and hopelessness. The devil is in the expectations. Now, I confess freely with you that my expectations have been the hardest part for me to deal with in my life. I was raised in a family that was poor. I was raised in a family that was very serious about its Christian faith. And my father and my mother practiced that Christian faith with great integrity, particularly my father. But I remember making childhood vows that when I was finally grown, I was going to be successful. I was going to be somebody. And everyone said to me, you young people, you're the hope of the future. Don't ever lie to young people and tell them that. Young people are not the hope of the future. The hope of the future is Jesus Christ. The hope of the future is the coming of the Son of Man. The hope of the future is that we might walk righteous with Jesus and be found worthy to enter into that kingdom above. That's the hope of the future, not some young person. Oh, I know they thought they were encouraging me. They were telling me, pursue your dream. Go for what you want. And so with going for my dream came very strong expectations that that I would be accorded success. Oh, I was willing to work hard. I was willing to do everything that was necessary, but I expected the system to be fair. Fairness was very big in my heart. As a child, I had two older brothers. I thought everything should be fair. But my brothers were bigger than me. So I carried as a child great resentment against my older brothers because they were bigger than me and they could enforce their will on me. Oh, I learned very clever ways to work around them. Everything as silly as sitting down at the table and grabbing the biggest cookie before mom and dad could say a word, licking the cookie and then putting it back on the tray where my brothers saw it. Oh, you don't want that cookie. Ray licked it. My dad would say, Ray, put it on your plate. Don't put it back in the table plate. Grow up, Raymond. Well, there were silly things like that, but it was also much more serious. Where I expected everything to be fair. And one of the first painful lessons I learned, life is not ever fair. We only think it's fair when it's going our way. But a Christian does not go with fair winds. We expect the tide to be against us. 
We expect difficulties. We don't look for them. We just know they're coming. We know life is not fair because Satan is not fair, and he rules this earth. And he's like a lion going about seeking whom he can devour. So if he can mess with your computer, if he can shut your phones off, if he can do things that will cause you consternation, and you become angry in your spirit, if he can cause people to treat you in a way that's unjust and unfair, and you rise up in your spirit because your expectation is that people should accord you a certain amount of dignity and respect. The scriptures tell us that everyone who follows Jesus Christ will be persecuted. That's not fair. That's not fair. So very quickly as a young man, I learned that life is not fair. I learned that life is not fair with my big brothers beating me up. I used to say to them, well, when you're old, I'll still be a young man, and then I'll whip you. Well, praise God, by the time I got older, I no longer had that in my heart. And by the power of the blood of Jesus, he had removed anger from my spirit. That was a miracle. But along with the removal of anger, the Lord had to begin to remove my expectations. As long as I have expectations of how other people are going to function, I have not yet been released from moral uncleanness. And I still have a residue of depravity about me. The carnal nature still jumps up and down on my head and dances before me. And up out of that comes the vomit of anger and bitterness. No, there is required a coming to a place of humility. We spoke about that yesterday. It's only in humility that you can receive the engrafted word of God, that word being able to save your soul. And with that is the choice to give up all of your demands of other people, of the people you work with. Oh, that person is not doing their work and it's causing me to have to do more and I'm angry. It's not fair. Or my boss, did you hear what he said to me? Did you hear what she said? It's not fair. Look at this evaluation. It's not fair. You're going to have to grow up and totally give up all concept that you should be treated fairly. That's not a part of the equation for a Christian. For a Christian, there is the clear expectation that life is not fair and that you are hidden in Jesus Christ and the engrafted work of grace is going on in your life. That engrafted word of grace that transforms you and changes you into a new creature. 
Look at this passage with me just very quickly. It's in Romans, the 12th chapter. This is, I hope, a familiar passage to you, but we need to look at it quickly in the context of which I'm speaking. The 12th chapter, beginning with verse 1, and I'm going to read this to you out of a literal translation. It's the Lavender New Testament translation. He was a He is a wonderful Christian brother. He's well into his 80s. It took him 15 years to complete this very scholarly work. To to my knowledge, it's the only literal translation of the Greek into English, including the meanings of the Greek words with the tenses applied. Let me read this for you. I summon you. The NIV says, I urge you. I summon you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see, it's only the mercy of God that we begin to understand and begin to grab a hold of that gives us the freedom to let go of all of our expectations. It is a transition from this world to Jesus. It's a transition in our hearts and our minds that no longer looks to people or institutions. We no longer look to family we look instead to the mercies of Jesus and we begin to walk and enjoy those mercies of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I summon you, come here, he says, come here. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy that is pure, well-pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of service. So he's saying, literally, your act of spiritual service, your act of spiritual service is to be on the altar of burnt offering as a living martyr. Your act that sets you free is to give up your expectations and your demands of the world, of the flesh, of the devil. It calls you to be hidden in Jesus Christ. Listen. Not to conform yourselves with this age, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good and well-pleasing and the perfect will of God. You see, if how you prove the will of God is based on your expectations, you will always be disappointed, frustrated, 
angry. You will always be on edge. You'll always be worrying. He's saying, don't conform to this age any longer. Don't pick up these worldly expectations that people should meet your demands, that the world must operate the way you think it must operate. Peace can come between a person who says, I give up my expectations of you, and I am going to follow Jesus Christ. Often through the years, I've done counseling with husbands and wives whose marriages are in trouble. And the first question I have for them when we sit down together is not what is happening. The first question I ask, are you willing, both of you, to listen to what Jesus Christ wants your marriage to be And are you willing to obey him, no matter what that may cost you? If they are not willing to agree to obey the word of Jesus Christ, then I tell them, I'm sorry, I'm a pastor, and I have nothing to help you with. The only help I have to offer you is Jesus Christ. That's it. In Jesus Christ, you don't conform yourself to the age of this world any longer. Now you have given up your demands and your expectations. I've said many times to a husband or to a wife, you want your partner to change? Well, you can't make them change. You can't make your husband into the man you want him to be. You cannot make your wife into the woman you want her to be. There is one thing you can do. You can change yourself. You can give up your expectations and your demands of your partner, and you can go to Jesus And you can begin to cry out to the Lord. And you see, if you change you, it will create a vacuum in the marriage. And that will force your partner to change because nature hates a vacuum. And if you change, and you simply stop the fight if you simply give up the expectation and the demands that they be who you want them to be, and you go to Jesus, believe me, they will have to change. But it will not be you who changes them. It will be the direct answer from heaven, from Jesus himself. Do you think Jesus does not know how to bring peace at your workplace or in your marriage or in your family or in your friendship? Do you think Jesus does not know how to deal with that father who speaks so harshly? Do you think Jesus does not know how to convert a man or a woman 
to the gospel of Jesus Christ? I learned a long time ago, it is the supernatural work of God that changes a person's life. And we must give up our demands and our expectations and our rights. But pastor, what if they treat me with disrespect? Was Jesus not spat upon? Was Jesus not stripped naked and beaten to a bloody pulp? Was Jesus not maligned and lied about? If you are a follower of Jesus, you must expect the same kind of treatment. Don't be surprised by the way you're treated. Rejoice in it. Know that God has moved in power and found you worthy to be persecuted for the sake of the cross of Jesus, whether at home or at work or wherever you might be. But they, those doing the persecution, should only see the sweet, sweet spirit. No defense. No self-righteousness. No lifting up of yourself. No telling them how stupid they are and how foolish they are and how wrong they are. No. No. We are called to love. To love our enemies. To be kind to those who persecute us. It's the expectations that get us in trouble. The devil is in the expectations. Where he can create in your heart and in your mind an expectation that you are being treated unfairly and that this is wrong and that you're not going to put up with it any longer and you're going to give them a piece of your mind and Satan has won. Paul says, Romans 12, be transformed. Be transformed. The word here in the Greek is metamorphosed, like a a worm that spins a cocoon. And in that cocoon, that worm is metamorphosed into a butterfly. That's what he's saying. Be metamorphosed. Become something new that you were not before. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's it mean to renew your mind? It means to go back before you were a sinner, before Adam was a sinner. To renew your mind like the mind of Jesus Christ. Be transformed. Be metamorphosed. So that you become like Jesus. Now you know. (laughs) You know. You cannot do this. Under your own power. This is a supernatural rebirth. 
This is a work that God must do in you and for you. But you are the one who chooses. You must humble your heart. It says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good and well-pleasing and the perfect will of God. You see, it's not your expectation that matters. It is God's expectation that matters. And God's expectations have power to bring change supernaturally. So James is saying in verse 20, this is chapter 1, verse 20, the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. He could have just as easily said, the expectations of man does not work the righteousness of God. Because the devil's in the expectation, the devil's in the anger. In the self-defense, in the demands that life be the way I think it should be. I have so many things that the Holy Spirit has whispered to me about the work that he's called me to. I know that those things are the expectations of God. Now, does that mean I should begin to move people out of the way and make demands on them? No. The God of heaven will carry out his own expectations. The expectations of God are always righteous and holy and pure and clean. I must have in my heart the expectations of God. For example, I expect God to build the National Prayer Chapel. He told me many years ago, in one day it would be born. I'm still waiting for that day with great expectation. But it's his expectation, not mine. He's told me that we will have a national radio broadcast. I'm eagerly waiting for the Lord God of heaven to bring forth a word of righteousness in America and to set aflame this pulpit and the pulpits of others for a cry for a return to morality and righteousness in America with a strong rebuke to evil and to darkness and to the men and women who do evil and who promote evil, who are filled with pride and filth. There must come a strong word, but it cannot be my word. I'm nobody. It must be God's word. It must flow out of God's expectation, out of God's desire, out of what God wants in his mercy to save America. 
He's spoken to me about specific people and what he expects to have happen in that person's life and how I'm to relate to them. I have to be very careful that I don't allow any of my personal expectation or disappointment to come into that understanding that God has given me. One of our brothers, David Sampson, this past Sunday, began to pray about willful prayers and the danger of his prayer being willful. What did he mean? The danger of demanding my expectations be met by God instead of the will of God to be carried out. The expectation of God to be met. Many times I've done this where I've prayed, I've cried out to God to meet the expectation that I have for the work of the kingdom. I've had to repent of willful prayer. Willfulness slips in so quickly and so easily into our life with Christ, where we make demands on him and we have expectations of him, and when he doesn't meet them, Our hearts are crushed, and we turn in despair. The Lord has given me some very specific dates and times when things will happen. And this last week, as I was looking at some of these dates and times that he's given me, I had to search my heart, and I had to say, What if that date comes and goes and nothing happens? Will I continue to stand by faith in Jesus Christ? Yes. I had to come through on this. You see, it's so easy to let my willfulness be identified as God's will. It's so easy for me to allow my expectations to be projected on God and say, these are God's expectations too. I listened to a man. He spoke to his wife. And he said, we have to do this. This is what God wants. And his wife threw up his hands. How do I fight with you? How do I disagree with you? If I disagree with you, I'm disagreeing with God. Here was a man who had mixed up his own expectations, his own willfulness with God. How does his wife argue with that? Now, that's why Pastor James is saying, you have to humble your heart. 
You're going to have to make certain that your expectations are not willful. And that if God said something and it doesn't take place, then you obviously missed what God meant. And you need to repent, not be angry. But if some of the dates that God has spoken to me about come to pass and God has not done anything, then I have to acknowledge that it was me and not God. God doesn't make mistakes. He's God. He doesn't change. He's immutable. He is... He's perfect. I'm not. I remember in the past some very major things have happened to me that have brought great sorrow to my heart. And I believed that they were not going to happen. I believe that I had a rhema word from God that they were not going to take take place, but they did. I was utterly broken and disappointed and finally had to lift my hands to the Lord God of heaven and say, Thy will be done, not my will. See, God is not honored by my expectations. He's not honored by my willfulness. God is honored by my humility. When I receive that engrafted word that saves my soul, how is it for you today? Are you consumed with demands and expectations? Or has God humbled your heart? There's another passage of Scripture I want to show you. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but sometimes we need to go back to these very familiar passages They're familiar because they're so vital to us in our walk with Jesus. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Let me begin reading with verse 28 from the NIV. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. What makes me weary and burdened? Unmet expectations, dashed dreams and hopes. Come to me, all you who are weary, burdened. Some of you, it seems that everything has gone wrong that could go wrong. Rejoice. Cast your burdens upon Jesus. Listen, I will give you rest. I will give you quiet. I will give you peace. He says, take my yoke upon you. 
Learn from me. Learn from me. When you read the life of Jesus, what do you learn? You learn that he absolutely trusted the Father. That he only did what the Father told him to do. He walked humbly before his God. He spent much time in prayer. And he spent much time loving people. Learn from me. And then he says, I am gentle. I'm gentle. I'm not harsh. You find yourself being harsh with the children. You find yourself jerking them around. You find yourself angry with your husband. You find yourself bitter about how it's going at work. Why? Because you've not yet come to Jesus. You've not yet come to Jesus, the person. You may have come to Jesus, the religious church, but you haven't come to Jesus, the person, and given up your expectations and your demands. He says, I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. There it is again. If you were to ask me what is the single most important word in the New Testament, I would surely have to say to you, love. The love of Jesus for his people. The love of Jesus for his Father. The love that Jesus has put in my heart. But probably the second most important word would be humility. To be humble in heart. No, I'm not talking blood is the most important. The blood of Jesus sacrificed on Calvary. But as you move past that and you begin to walk with Jesus, love is what it's all about. And humility of heart. It says if you're gentle and you're humble in heart, you come to Jesus, you will find rest for your soul. Your soul is your personality. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why is it light? Because we only carry the expectations of Jesus. And he says, I'm gentle and I'm humble. Are you exhausted today? Are you sick today? Have you just discovered that you have cancer and it's terminal? Are you overwhelmed with what's happening in your life? Have you just discovered that your husband or wife was cheating on you? 
or the one you loved has been cheating on you. It pierces your heart. You don't know you don't know what to do. You don't know how to even breathe. Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened. We must walk away from our heavy burdens and leave them with Jesus. This morning as I was early in the prayer closet speaking with Jesus, I said, Lord, this radio broadcast is much, much too heavy for me to carry day by day. I recognize, Jesus, that this is not my radio broadcast. This is yours. And so would you carry me? And I testify today that the word I'm speaking to you is coming from the heart of Jesus to you. It is coming straight from the Holy Spirit to say to you, there is only one place of peace and rest. And it's not in the doctor's. It's not in your doing everything right. It's not in you meeting the demands and expectations of others. The only place of peace and rest is found in giving up your demands and your expectations to try to please anybody. And you come to Jesus and you rest in him. You give him your health. And whatever days you have left on the face of this earth, you are going to smile and rejoice that you have these days as Jesus carries you in his bosom, either into total, complete healing or into his arms for eternity. You can trust Jesus. He does everything well. If you're in a marriage or if you're in a relationship and you find your partner is cheating and lying, don't demand from them. Don't be angry with them. Don't bite them. But go to Jesus and lay it all out for him and ask Jesus to deal with wickedness. Ask Jesus to turn the heart of that person to righteousness. If you're struggling in school, are you there because Jesus sent you? If you are there because Jesus sent you, then it's his responsibility to give you the wisdom to pass that exam. You'll do the studying. You'll do what he asks you to do. You will be faithful, but you leave it in Jesus' hands. I'll never forget this wonderful brother who went off to MIT. He had a full scholarship. 
And in the first semester, he called me and he said, Pastor, I, I got the letter notifying me that my grades are not adequate. I can't make it at MIT. I'm going to lose my position and my, my scholarship. I said, how much time are you spending every day reading the Bible and praying? He said, oh, Pastor, they told us we don't have time to do anything but our studies. All I'm doing is studying full time. I said, stop, stop, stop. If you will take an hour a day and spend it with Jesus, didn't he say, could you not wait one hour and pray, watch and pray? Take one hour a day to read the scriptures and to pray, and Jesus will give you the grades. Just a short time later, I received another message from this dear brother saying, Pastor, you're right. My grades are fine. My scholarship is secure. He graduated from MIT. Then he went on for his master's. Glory to God. He now works for a major corporation and he pastors a church. God did it. I don't know what you're facing today. But I know that no matter what you're facing, if you will give up your anger, if you'll give up your judgments, if you'll give up your expectations and your demands and take them all to Jesus and lay them down at his feet and then be faithful to do what he tells you to do, take up his yoke and follow him, he will bring rest to your soul. He will heal you, body, soul, and spirit. He will carry you. And as you spend that hour a day minimum in the presence of Jesus, he will metamorphose you. He will transform you into his likeness. And your life will be totally changed. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. I want to pray for you. Lord, in the last minute we have of this broadcast, I pray that you will come and strip away every expectation of my brother and my sister, that you will take from them the anger and the bitterness, the demands the hurt and the pain of not being treated fairly or with love, and you will turn their hearts now toward you, Jesus, that they would fasten their eyes upon you. Lord, that they would be yoked with you, that they'd no longer go out on their own trying to pull some big plow, that, Lord, they would be yoked with you and you would do the work. Lord, I thank you for each brother and each sister today. Flow with healing in their hearts, in their bodies, in their lives. Have your way, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. 
I invite you to write to me. As the Holy Spirit prompts you to give, would you obey him? That we can cover the cost of this radio broadcast as the end of the month is rushing now upon us. Please write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I invite you also to go to our webpage. Lots of changes there. A direct link to a radio station that constantly on the internet is playing the broadcasts. You'll find that at nationalprayerchapel.com. National Prayer Chapel. One word, nationalprayerchapel.com. I hope today's message has helped you. I pray that you'll give up your expectations and your demands, that you will come into the rest of a gentle and kind Lord. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of his glory